Hi, everyone, and welcome to Meet Me Downstairs. I'm your host and fellow mom, Britt, and I'm very excited to be sharing this stage with you. We are going to get real and honest about the different dimensions of postpartum life. We are going to be joined by a mixture of moms and experts in the field to discuss things like getting back into the actual act of sex with your partner, reawakening the joy of intimacy within yourself, the identity shift of motherhood, different ebbs and flows of relationships, and everything else in between. This podcast is dedicated to moms and our core purpose is to make sure that we are always honoring the woman within the mother. This forum is a place for us just to get together and discuss topics that may not be so easy to do in everyday life. So without further ado, let's get to it and I'll meet you downstairs. This is our Mother's Day episode. I'm really, really looking forward to sharing this episode with you. Um, And I also just want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. So grateful for you. Today's episode is a deep one. um, And we talk about some really tough topics. We talk about death and in particular, child loss. So I want to just say that up front. in case anybody's a little bit nervous, like that's a bit what we're getting into today. My beautiful friend, Chloe, actually gives us a really beautiful and full picture of her life, her relationship with her partner and her children. And she lost her son, Legend. Um, and she just kind of takes us through her journey of grief, how she's handled that for herself as a woman, as a mother. She talks about her relationship with her partner and how as a unit, their family have um, moved through this sort of stage of, of grief. She has beautiful insights and she's taken this tragedy and turned it into a way to advocate for death and for people who are struggling in this area. So I highly encourage you to check Chloe out. I'll put all of her information in our episode bio and you can also check out our Instagram. We'll tag her. So if you ever need that space and that help, she's there. That's what she's doing with her life now. And I'm so grateful for her. So I'm just going to take a moment and just prepare you guys for this. Honestly, it's a beautiful, beautiful conversation that we have. I was scared, to be totally honest, um, to do this, but I knew this was a conversation that needed um, to be spoken about. And it's actually an incredible one. So Chloe, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please enjoy this episode. Welcome everybody to another episode of Meet Me Downstairs. I have a wonderful guest from Hawaii, someone that I met a very, very long time ago. feels like another life ago. Mm. Her name is Chloe Pestana and I'm just so honored, honestly, Chloe, to have you on this podcast today. You're journey has really inspired me so much and you know I said we met ages ago it must be like six or seven years ago in Hawaii and you just have always radiated this like light and grace just as a person but also as a mother and um, I feel like that hasn't changed I mean I'm only seeing bits and pieces on social media here and there but I feel like you're just a pretty wholesome and wonderful person and 
I know that you've experienced probably most of what life has to offer, you know, whether it's good, tragic, overflowing with love, you know, everything in between. And I'm just really grateful that you've given us a space to kind of talk about your life today. So I'll just hand the floor over to you so that you can give everyone a nice proper introduction and so that people can get to know you a little bit. Aw, thank you. Um, Hi, my name is Chloe Pistana. I live on Oahu. Um, I was born and raised in Hawaii. I feel very blessed, as I'm sure you do, to be in Barbados. Um, Indeed. (laughs) I have three children. Uh, My oldest is Kaya. She's 11. My other daughter is nine. Her name is Coral. And then our son, Legend, would be six this year. Um, And yeah, I'm married to my husband, Nicholas Pistana. We started a family really, really young. Um, That could go a lot of ways. (laughs) I I got pregnant with my youngest when I was 17, which was not something that I was planning on. Um, We lost our son, Legend, almost three years ago now, suddenly and tragically to um, this malformation that we didn't know about that he was born with. And lately we've just been finding our feet again through our own grief and rebuilding as a family and learning new ways to love one another and new ways to grow with one another. And it's been a really challenging journey, but I will have to say that it's had some really beautiful moments and I've learned so much from it all yes I can only imagine and you have this beautiful blog that you share um honestly like the I feel like I've never read a more raw and emotional piece of writing you're so honest and it's really such a beautiful look into some of the really really dark times that go with loss and I'm so sorry from the bottom of my heart that you even had to experience something like that Um, but that the platform that you've chosen to sort of express that is such a wonderful gift that you're giving to other people to heal in that way so I just honestly thank you for for sharing that part of you and I know it can't be easy to do sometimes but it's just so appreciated and even for sharing I'm sure you'll share some of some of your path in that world today so I'm just very grateful that you're open to doing that kind of stuff you know yeah I think it's I mean I think it's important that we share experiences and I just kind of hit this point in my life where I I lived in shame for a long time not that I had my daughter Kaya but that I was so young and it was just not some I didn't want to be a teen mom um and I left that kind of quiet for so long and then I lost legend and I realized that through our own struggles and challenges we have so much that we can offer people and learning I mean it that's how I move that's how I'm still moving through grief is talking to people and learning from other people's struggles and 
hearing other people's perspectives of life. And so I decided that when, after he had passed, that when I felt strong enough again, I would be more open about that journey. That's so amazing. And maybe what we can do is kind of start at the beginning of your journey into motherhood and and progress through there. Because I mean, as you said, you had Kaya at a very young age at 17, which is, you know, you're not even a full adult yourself and you've been put into a position unplanned to raise another life and you know what what was that like for you at that age yeah it was um it was I look back on it and I'm I still am in shock that that is something that even I had gone through I think in the moment I was just all in the moment of it I didn't I grew up in a religious family, but my mom wasn't necessarily religious herself. So for me, it wasn't something that I had to do, but I just, I had the, I've always had this intuition and I've always followed my intuition. And um, even though the time didn't seem to be fitting to be a mom, um, and it really derailed a lot of the plans that I had for myself and for my future. Um, I followed my intuition and my gut, and it's not to say that it wasn't challenging, but it's been so rewarding. And I can't say that if I hadn't made that decision, then I would be where I am today or I would have learned the things that I have. So I feel really, really fortunate to be Kaya's mom and Coral's mom and Legend's mom. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, everything really happens for a reason, you know, everything is laid out for you. And I mean, I when I think of mother, I like weirdly think of you. I feel Aww. like you're you're this wonderful description of a mother to me in like every shape and form. And when I started the idea of doing this podcast, you were the like one of the first people that I thought about for wanting to be on it. Because, I mean, yeah, you're just, I mean, I feel like I've, well, I kn- knew you as a mother. I met you as a mother of your, both, yeah. both of your girls. I mean, I never, I, I never had the chance to meet Legend, but I met your two beautiful girls and, and they are so wonderful that like, you just have done such a great job. And to be able to, to do that from such a young age is it's really a testament to who you are as a person because it's not, I mean, shit, girl, motherhood is not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. And, you know, I think part of it was that I was naive to yeah, what, what was happening. You know, I was really yeah. naive. I still really, I mean, I was a kid. So playing was like, we do that. You know, I think that when we go through adolescence, we try to be older, but in all reality, you know, we are still kids and we still do know how to play and be extremely creative so in some aspects being a young mother kept that alive in me um I didn't go through that period of just being all about myself and working on my career and forgetting about my creativity it's kind of been embedded and woven into my life um all throughout so I feel really grateful for that 
Yeah. And I, and what was that like? Because, I mean, you're still with your husband now. You guys have been together a really long time. And and how was that for you guys at 17? Or was he 17 as well? Or he's a bit older? No, he's a bit older. He's seven yeah. years older. So right. he was 22. Um, it has been really challenging, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest. I think yes, that that's please. what we all that's... need. Um, I was raised by a single mom, so I never had an example of a mother-father relationship, a husband and wife interaction. So I can't, I mean, we've kind of had to figure that out on our own. Um, and, you know, I think that in a lot of ways, it's, it's been really challenging. It's had a lot of really amazing parts to it, but we've gone through major ups and downs. We've been separated. We've um, just had periods of, you know, like, is this really going to work? How, how are we going to do this? But we've been married now for, I'm trying to think, sorry, nine years and we've been together for 13. So it's, it's been quite a long time. Yeah. And you really get to know a person in that time. Yeah, you really get to know a person and you really, um, the the most challenging thing about it is that when you are with someone when you're much younger, like I was, you grow a lot as a person. Both people do. Um, and it's those times of growth that you're not growing in the same direction that you have to be really, really patient with one another and figure out, okay, how are we how are we going to come back? How are we going to rejoin? How are we going to be okay with us being so different right now? And it's really tough as well when you add other humans to the mix. You know, I'm sure yeah. that your relationship has changed from child to child as well. And of course, you know, one having one child is difficult because you're trying to navigate an entirely new identity with becoming a parent and then another one comes in and another one comes in so how have those you know entrances of your children shifted the way that your relationship has been um I think our first child Kaya that was a big shocker and I think that now watching a lot of my friends go through um becoming a new mom for the first time it's really this like adjustment from you being self-absorbed to being selfless and I think that in my own way I feel like women are quicker to catch on to that because they are carrying the baby for nine months and they're preparing and they're feeling all the changes I think that men have a harder time um, most of the time realizing that the selflessness that really is involved in that. And so I think for when we had Kaya, it was, it was definitely hard. You know, I had this idea of the type of mom that I wanted to be. Um, and that was all I focused on. And if <laughs> my husband, Nick, didn't see it that way, I had a really hard time understanding why he didn't feel the way I did and why he wanted to still hang out with his friends or um, and then we had our daughter Coral and I felt like we had kind of gotten into a groove of having kids and being this family life. I mean, most of our friends didn't have kids then. So that was another huge shocker for us is trying to figure out 
who to hang out with because we couldn't relate to anybody. We had our second daughter, Coral, and we kind of got into the groove of it. Um, and then we had Legend, and I felt like it just was enough. You know, once you have two, in all honesty, it's like, what's another one? You just add it on. You're in the rhythm of everything. It definitely makes certain things challenge a little bit more challenging, you know? I, I say as the kids get older, your sexual life, kind of shifts and um when they're babies and they're not walking and crawling you can put them in a crib at nap time and have a little we call it a nooner <laughs> um, <laughs> a little afternoon <laughs> love making sesh but as they get older and they're running around and they need you and you're tired and you're sleep deprived it's challenging. Like your intimacy goes in waves for sure as the kids go through different stages of their life. Yes. And even in the beginning stages, you know, how, how was that? I mean, I suppose you're, you were younger when you had Kaya. What was the, you know, journey back to your intimacy like, or was that sort of like, oh, it never left or? I think I, I mean, we were still intimate after quite a bit, but I think that as I have grown, it's a little bit different for me because I didn't go on my own. So I've kind of found my sense of like independent self who Chloe is aside from being a mom and a wife a little bit later on, I think, than some people do. Um, so our intimate life wasn't, it didn't slow down. But it definitely was a lot different than what it is now. Um, I think that being tired really plays a number on making love and being intimate with your partner. I think that when you're sleep deprived and you're getting up every two hours to feed a baby and you just don't have enough time to do the self-care that you normally do, it is a bit of a challenge to want to be intimate as much as your partner may be. And I think it depends really on your partner as well. Yeah, for sure. And I actually really just want to touch on, um, you mentioned that it took a little bit longer for you to find yourself outside of being a mother and a partner. And, and really that's kind of what the focus of this podcast is about. It's about honoring the woman within the mother and, um, you know, what was that journey like to you for even just being able to differentiate that, those identities or figuring out that you are your own person amongst all of everything else that's going on around you? And, and of course, like how that transitioned through three children. Yeah, so that took a little while. Yeah. I mean, it's come and go in phases when I had time to put attention to it. I would say the first time I really started thinking about it, me and my husband, Nick, were separated for a little bit. And I was by myself with the kids. And that's when I started considering myself and my needs. I have a really hard time going into myself and my needs first. It's always like kids, husband, house, family life, then me. And a lot of the time, um, addressing your needs takes a lot of thought and time. And I 
realized I put it off for a while. So I, I found that inquiry into who am I when we were first separated. And then we um, went through our own challenges and struggles and got back together. Um, and I think that I just went right back into this mom, wife, homemaker. Uh, and then legend passed. And, you know, having a toddler, you're running around all the time chasing after them. You don't really have too many minutes to be like, who am I? Who am I aside from being a mom? What are my needs? Um, and prioritizing your own self-care. And when he passed, I was left with all this time um, that gave that I was not used to. And it was really, really, really challenging at first for me to even address like, what am I going to do next? I mean, I've been a stay at home mom through all my kids. So my oldest was nine when he passed. Um, so for nine years, I had been home. I hadn't, I wasn't working, which I feel really grateful that I got to stay home with the girls and legend. But it was like, after a certain amount of period of grieving, society expects you to, what are you going to do next? And I really had no idea what I was going to do next. And so figuring out what that looked like for me really required me to look at who am I aside from being a mom? Who am I aside from being a wife? Who is Chloe and what are my passions and my goals and what things bring me joy? Um, and that's been an interesting journey. <laughs> yes, please take us with you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I, um, you know, for the first year after Legend passed, I was pretty much in like a catatonic numb state. So all I did was write, but I wasn't really asking myself, who am I? I was just trying to survive every second of the day and figure out how to live with such an immense loss. I feel really grateful for everyone that we've had around us. It's been super supportive. Um, and I feel really grateful for my girls because they are just so joyful and radiant and amazing. I don't know what I would do without them, but you know, it, it's taken a lot. And when I started to not feel as numb and I started to look at my own grief and sadness and pain that I'd felt from losing legend it actually led me down many different roads of my life thus far um, the things I'm passionate about so yeah I actively began writing I decided to start a blog because I didn't want to sh um, keep my experiences undercover I wanted to let them be share shared with other people so that Hopefully it could, if it helped one person or resonated with one person, um, I feel like it would be worth it. And I started slowly. I was writing on my Instagram and I was having multiple people write me back about they had lost someone and how helpful it was. And I realized that, you know, everybody in their own ways, both big and small, are grieving some sort of loss. It might not be a physical person, but it, everybody is grieving on some level every day. And unfortunately, the world focuses on 
everything being perfect and your house being clean and you being a good wife and nobody's sad and you know it's like this rat race once you get married and have kids of how to keep up with the Joneses kind of and I just wanted to shed a light on something that was real that I had experienced and that I could see there was a need for in the world so I started my blog and I've been writing and advocating on end of life and me and my husband's relationship looks very different we're both we've been together so long now that we're very open and clear with one another of certain things that are working in our life individually certain things that are working together certain things we're interested in and we're both okay with not being okay with what the other person wants and I think that's huge being able to realize that you are two different people and you can have two different outlooks on life you can have different desires different wants and different needs and it's basically like hey this is one desire that I have how do you feel about it if the other person isn't like it instead of getting upset about it well what can we do to satisfy both people is it possible let's think about it I think so often we get angry with our partner about certain things in the relationship not going the way we envisioned or the way that we wanted and there's no room for understanding where that person is coming from and it creates this disconnection within one another yeah it's almost like you're it's really I think a lot of life is actually quite self-involved you know especially when it comes to relationships and it's supposed to be two people I think there's a certain sense of well I, me, am missing this and I expect you to fill that space. And I think that's where a lot of relationships go into turmoil and communication sounds easy, but it's actually really difficult to communicate what you're feeling and what you want because a lot of the time you don't actually take a moment to turn inward and ask yourself that question. And it can be hard, but it's definitely a process and I'm trying to get better, but I think where it's easier said than done sometimes you know to make that conscious shift yeah I think a lot of us go into relationships thinking that we are fulfilling the other's need and they are fulfilling our needs to complete us and I mean I know personally when I got married that's what I thought it was and I was very I had these very set beliefs of what marriage was and what it should look like and what the people should do and it took me so long to figure out that that is so far from the truth and that's actually what's going to be the demise of all marriages you know trying to fulfill somebody else's need or have them fulfill your own you really have to be able to at the end of the day just let love the person that you're sitting next to and be okay with who you are yeah and I'm you know you're changing every day so it's really interesting to hear just how you've navigated that and even the fact that you started out thinking that relationships were supposed to be like this and then growing together as a team to where you are now which it probably feels like a much stronger place and where you were in the beginning, which might have been lustful and passionate and, you know, perhaps that's shifted into a partnership. 
Yeah, it's it's a lot more freeing. I mean, and I think my husband will tell you that too. We struggled with, I think, a lot of the things that couples struggle with when they're like the first to have kids and friends around are still, you know, going out and single. And um, I felt, you know, then it put, I felt like I was in the role of telling him not to do certain things. And he was in the role of like, well, I want to do this. It We're in this space now where it's like, me and Nick are kind of just free to be who we are and our marriage isn't a contract it's more of a choice that both he and I know at any time we can leave if we're not happy not to say we're going to but it's not something that we feel forced upon where I think when you start putting up well we're married so this is what you do and this is what I do and it's like this exchange I mean, you lose all the beauty and intimacy in that. You know, you mentioned that you guys separated and how was that coming back together? Um, it was challenging. It was definitely challenging, you know, and there were, it was, even now there's times where I can feel resentful about our separation or go back to certain things. Um, But at the end of the day, I knew that if we were going to come back in the same home and try and regrow our marriage, that we couldn't be resentful of one another. So it required me to do a lot of um, work on not being resentful. And he had to do a lot of work within himself as well. And I think that that's the one lesson that I learned is that If you're going to resent somebody or something and you can't let it go, it's going to eat you alive. So like I can go through the motions of, okay, we live in the same house and we're making this work. But as long as I am hanging on to something and I can't let it go, it'll destroy me. It'll destroy my marriage. Um, So I really had to learn to let it go, which is a hard thing for me. It was a big life lesson. (laughs) I think that's hard for everyone, especially letting go of your ideals or your certain thoughts and values to accompany another person it's difficult it's difficult to share sometimes you know yeah I think that when you have values um and they are rocked by somebody that you really love and trust it is really upsetting And it really makes you question what you're doing, what you've been doing. Am I making the right decision? How do I resolve a situation that I have held to be wrong or not right? Or so just it's looking at things through a more three dimensional view rather than so like black and white. I've learned that's what a marriage is. (laughs) Well, that's pretty good advice. (laughs) and it's like a bigger picture yeah absolutely absolutely I would really also love to just chat if if you feel comfortable about grief and and the loss that you experienced with legend and and how that affected you as a person as well as your family and your relationships because I think you've just you're just such a wonderful um I mean, I don't even know if advocate is the right word, but for 
experiencing something like that and you've obviously helped a lot of a lot of people through this experience so I mean if you're okay just sharing some of that with us yeah I think you know grief is universal and at one point in time we're all going to feel it I'm definitely still I think I'll forever be working through my own grief um the experience it's had on me as just myself has been profound it has made me really um get to know myself more really figure out the things in life that matter um and realize that every day is just so so fragile and precious and how grateful we need to be for the little things I think that as a family with my the girls and Nick you know we've all gone through our own um, ways of grieving and so that that's been challenging um, and I and I know that it's really hard like I've talked to people who've been married and gone through a child loss and we've brought in divorce and it's really hard when you have two people that grieve very differently and live together and have still a life and a family and everyday things that need to be attended to. Um, Nick and I have just danced through this and it hasn't been easy. We've definitely argued. We've gone through every emotion possible, but we've been really, really patient and open to one another and what one another are feeling. Um, and it's made me really look at my life and what I'm passionate about in life and realize that there's no better time than now to pursue the things that you're passionate about. Um, but finding a way to do that as a mom and as, you know, with my whole family dynamic has has taken a little bit of creativity I guess you could say and how has that sort of manifested that creativity of finding yourself through this and taking these passions and bringing them to life and you know moving through with this you know, resounding sense of now is all we have. So let's make the most of it. How has that, you know, propelled you into this space of, of creation? Yeah, I was with, well, we went to New Zealand, I want to say about six months after legend had passed. And um, me and my husband had so we were separated, and then we got back together. But it was like, we had kind of just gotten back together within the year and for me I was really frustrated in the beginning that I that that was something that we were already dealing with then we you know now legends passed and we decided you know we just needed to go on like a family trip where we could just be with one another and try and figure out like how to be and how to heal with one another and feel one another and that for me was a pivotal moment in our journey through grief um I remember just like screaming at the top of my lungs in our RV and like being like let me out of the car um 
and just looking up and being like, why is this like happening? (laughs) I can't, I was so overwhelmed with every emotion and just feeling like, how do people survive this kind of loss? And my little girls were looking out the little window, probably terrified. And I just started bawling. And I was like, you know, there's so much in life. And there's pain and there's joy and there's happiness and there's sadness. But when we choose to live, we're choosing to feel the whole range of life. And we can't choose to just never feel pain or never experience loss. I mean, it's it's all part of it's all part of life. It's you know, and if you're living it, then you're gonna go through those emotions. And in that moment, I realized that not only could that be an example to my daughters, but it could propel me to something that was much greater and sharing my story. And so I started writing and then I really started reflecting on my situation and our loss um, of losing legend and because it was sudden and we had no idea who even had this it's called an arteriovenous malformation um, we were catapulted into a quite traumatic situation and his loss was so quick um I felt like I didn't get a say in what was going to happen next did I'm not sure if you when you had your um son if you like did you make a birth plan yes I I did have a birth plan and um it didn't go to plan so yeah (laughs) yeah so I know that like you we and you know as when you become a mom, you envision what you want to bring them into the, what you want them to come into this world like. And I, because I had never talked about death and death is taboo, I was really afraid of it. Um, And so I never thought about what it would, what I would want it to be like when I died or someone I love died, God forbid my own child. So when he passed, it was very like, they call the time of death. He, we have a certain amount of hours and they take him away. And I just couldn't believe that that's what happens. Yeah. I was like, so shocked that I was so naive. I mean, I, before legend was going to school to be a midwife i was encompassed in natural birthing and bringing a baby into this world that i was shocked that when people leave it was so traumatic for so many people and the more research that i did and the more that i began to understand that we have taken this really sacred part of people dying away So much so that people don't even know that it's possible. It's just Um, so abrupt. It's so abrupt. And so I started reading all these books on, you know, 
cultures of people passing away, like different cultures and how they honor the person passing and what they do. And there are different rituals. And, you know, we had gone to Bali and we had watched a funeral. And it's like when somebody dies in the village, the family spends like half of their life savings on this gazebo that they put them in and they march them through the village and they had the whole village is there. It's like, it's a week long procession and it's really beautiful. And I just, you know, when legend was passing, I had written down that night, but when I got home, like that's like, I wrote down two words and I was like rebirth. And it felt like I was rebirthing him into another realm. And for me, I just felt so frustrated that it was so sterile. And so like you'd taken humans and the human experience out of it. And I just felt like it can't be like that. It's that, I mean, if I, if through my experience, I can advocate and learn and connect with people who share that same sentiment as me, it brings light to my situation, even though it's so tragic. Wow. I mean, I've never even thought about it like that. I mean, I mean I've never had a, an opportunity. The, the closest thing really that I've had to loss is, is a miscarriage, which is a loss in itself. Yeah. And even that, the ending of that, I've never thought about it that way, but it was sterile. It was in a hospital. So I just never really thought about it in that way of it being completely counterintuitive to the human experience. Yeah, it's really, really counterintuitive to the human experience. And the more that I've connected with people and the more research that I've done and the more diving within myself that I've done, it's, you know, like I learned that in the state of Hawaii, you can take the body home and put it in a freeze, like a deep freezer if you wanted to. I'm not saying everyone would want to do that. Yeah. But I'm saying that, you know, if you're, if your loved one dies and you're told you get four hours and then the next time you can see them, is at the funeral home and that you have 30 minutes and you can pay a little bit longer to see them longer. Oh my God. It's just terrible. It's so terrible. And I feel really grateful that I had um, a close friend who's Hawaiian and she shared with me like some of these rituals and practices that we did once we cremated legend um, that were really, really beautiful and they helped me and my girls and Nick go through this process of grieving his physical form and actually feeling like we were a part of it and we were caretaking it. Because, I mean, you're a mom, you know, when you're caring for somebody 24-7 and then all of a sudden it's just gone. It's like in some ways and in some countries you can wash the person after they've passed you can like put oil in their hair you can do a prayer you know but it it just it we didn't have that and I realized that that is happening more and more 
in Western civilizations. And it's, it's such a tragedy for so many people. And so what, what was some of the rituals that you were able to do that gave you that closure of his physical life? So there's this thing, it's called a puolu, and you take tea leaves. It's a, it's a gift, basically. Um, and you take tea leaves and you make this like basket woven thing that ties at the top and you put some people put the ashes in there with a rock and it, when you throw it in the ocean, it's weighed down and the ashes slowly seep out of it. Um, we did, we got a coconut. Our son like loved coconuts. (laughs) Um, so we got a coconut and we, my husband sanded it and cut it and oiled it. So it was really pretty. And then we put his ashes in the coconut and then the fibers, um, from the coconut husks, if you soak them in salt water, they become really soft. And the Hawaiians, what they used to do is they would make rope out of it. They call it senate, and that's what they would use for their canoes and their nets, um, And so my friend who had lost her brother, her mom had made this Senate rope at their house and they would each cut a piece of their hair every year and wove it into it with his hair. And so we did that. And at the top of that puolu with the tea leaves, we wrapped it to tie it closed. And so when we took him out and we scattered him in the ocean, he was in that coconut and we poured the coconut out and we have the coconut and we have the um, Senate rope that we had made with our hair and his hair. And that whole process took like four days. So it was us like really getting prepared and getting ready and making something beautiful for him that I feel like none of us got to do. Um it really helped the girls. It really helped me. And every year now on his birthday and then the girl's birthday and my birthday, Nick's birthday, we add a piece of our hair into that rope and we go down to the beach and connect, collect more um, coconut husks if we need and soak them. So it's become this like really beautiful thing that is continuing on even though his physical form isn't still here. That's so beautiful, and that will be something you guys can carry throughout the rest of your lives until you're reunited again. That's just so, that's so wonderful, and wow, my heart feels so tender just hearing you speak. You know, it's it's really beautiful how you're able to just discuss this in such a a loving way, and um. You know, how, what's happened in your life for you since then beyond your passion for writing? You know, what's happening with the girls and your unit as a family? How are you guys in this moment? Yeah, we've definitely taken it. Our life is just so different. Um, My husband owned a business for the past five years and then after legend passed um he had a really really i mean we all had a really hard time but he had a very challenging time just being able to do anything um at all and he 
didn't work for almost a year. So we moved in with my mom to just kind of refine our feet. Um, but we've taken a lot of steps back in certain ways, which has kind of been challenging to, you know, we've had to really refine our footing again and figure out we have a new, I guess we have a new perspective on life. And so the things that are important and the things that are not important and trying to mesh that and weave that into something new. Um, it's definitely been challenging, but it's, you know, we're also super grateful in today's climate, you know, with everything that's going on in the world. Um, we're just really grateful that for our health and for one another. And we've really become to realize that, you know, you, it, every day we think we're in control of things and we're really in control of nothing at all. Yeah, it's I mean, zero. It's, it's really humbling to become aware of that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when someone asked me how I was doing with this whole pandemic and I just said, I mean, I'm okay. I'm, I have for the past three years become accustomed to not being in control of anything and being okay with that really, you know, realizing that life, everything that we think we have control of is just this like fake, reality that makes us feel secure um that depends on so many other factors going on in the world and so like my husband right now he's laid off from his job um and that's a little bit stressful but I really believe that everything will be okay and that we're everything happens for a reason and that we're guided in life and that no matter what it may seem like there's a bigger message to be learned around the corner yeah for sure and I mean of course just coming back to you guys as a as a unit it must have just been really I mean as you said challenging because it's not only grief as a unit but it's four individuals within that unit who are grieving and then having to move forward together as a family it's just that's a lot to to do and that you guys are here now and having this outlook it's really quite magical that you're able to do that and still you know still grieve and still do what you need to do to move through it all yeah and you know it's it everybody grieves differently like that's what I always try and highlight because people come to me a lot and they're like, you know, what did you do? And I first stop and I tell them I'm still grieving. I think it's a lifelong process, but everybody grieves so differently. So what might work with me might not work with you. You really have to find what works for you. And then when you're in a family, everybody's grieving differently. I mean, both of my girls grieve differently than me and Nick and um, being really patient with one another and learning how to grow empathy, you know, I think that it's hard for kids to see their parents sad. And so that's been a big learning curve for our girls is learning that it's okay for mom and dad to be sad. And it's okay that we aren't, we're like, if we're crying because we're sad, that's okay. I think that 
I don't know why, because I feel like I'm a very like open and emotional person, but my daughter Kaya, you know, felt really, she thought that it was like something was wrong if we were crying, like something was wrong and she wanted to fix it. And we, that's been a huge learning lesson for her is that being sad doesn't mean you need to fix anything and being sad is okay and it's we're sad because we're honoring his loss and we miss him and even though there's nothing that we can all do about that to bring him back when you are empathetic towards one another it creates this like beautiful magical connection wow Oh my goodness, you're just a wonderful, wonderful person and your family and your girls just, you know, you guys just seem like you have, as you said, a really magical connection and that can never be broken, which is just very special. And um, I would love to, you know, just ask you if there's anything that you would want to share with I mean, you've shared a lot, but with someone who might be going through something similar um, or, you know, perhaps finding your blog or just any little pieces of, of information to maybe just provide to someone. Yeah, I would just say that, you know, grieving is the most diverse um unpredictable state that anybody could possibly be in Um, and it has many different emotions attached with it and you just have to be really patient with yourself if you're in a family you need to try and be really patient with those around you and you need to be really really gracious of your energy and where you're putting it and be okay with not being okay um, and reaching out. I think that finding a support system is really, really, really imperative for anybody that's suffering um, with any kind of loss. I think that having people there that are helping you when you're not at your best is the best gift that anybody could give. Um, to someone who's grieving and you actually I wrote this down it was um, an excerpt from one of your blogs which I just thought was also just so beautiful you said um, may you feel peace in pockets of chaos love in the midst of heartbreak compassion in the wake of anger and light in the darkest of times and you say I promise these states can coexist and I just thought that was such a beautiful piece of writing because they really can coexist. Yeah. And it doesn't have to always be one way or the other. They can intermingle and intertwine and just become yeah. part of the same existence. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've that's that's my biggest um take from what I've learned through this all is that you can live in these opposing states of being and it's okay. Like I am super grateful and joyful and happy in the time that we are in now, and it's really chaotic. And I cry sometimes, but I'm also really happy. And I think realizing that those two actually can make the experience that much more rich yeah. 
when you have these opposing states of being working together, even though they don't really seem to work together. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And it's just been so beautiful to speak to you and and hear about your life and how you've transitioned through some really hard times and are out here, you know, just being a beacon of light for people and still being a wonderful mom and a great partner. And, you know, it's just, it's so beautiful to just hear you speak. So I'm really, really honored that you shared that with us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really, um, grateful to be on here and I'm flattered that you've thought of me (laughs) (laughs) and um, maybe you can just let people know where to find your writing yeah you can go to um, chloepastana.com and I can also link that as well yeah and then I write on my Instagram I'm not the best at the whole like media social media thing um and marketing and all of that so I don't have like set days I was trying to do that but then it felt really inauthentic to me to be like forcing things to be put out so I update it I just don't have like a set schedule of when I do all that (laughs) You don't need a set schedule. You're you still got a lot going on and two girls and how are they by the way? They're I just see some photos and I just cannot believe how big they are. They're super amazing. They're so much fun. Um my oldest Kai is gonna be turning twelve in June. She's definitely turning into a little woman. So wow. it's been really cool um guiding her. Helping guide her down that and going through a very different stage in life with her. Yeah, Um, that must be interesting in itself, watching your daughter become a woman. (laughs) Yeah, it's really interesting. And I just feel like, you know, I was always like, oh, that'll happen one day. And then now it's here. And I'm like, okay, here we are. Like, how do we, you know, and I always tell her I'm not here to like get you in trouble or tell you what to do. I'm just here to guide you. Yeah, and you can make of it what you want, but I, it's all from a place of love. <laughs> is she still surfing a lot? She is surfing. She actually, though, hasn't been surfing as much. Um, we do we surf a lot as a family, but she's been swimming quite a bit lately, and um, she just got into a really good private school over here that she cho- is choosing to go to um, next year. So it's seventh grade. So lots of new changes. And then my other little one is just, she's like my rainbow moonbeam. Wow. Coral. She's just yeah. such a spunk. Like I just remember her even back then just being this ball of energy and yeah, I'm sure she her. hasn't changed. <laughs> she hasn't. And she's, she keeps things really light and airy and, Oh, she's just so great. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you again just for sharing your life with us. And, you know, please send my love to your whole family and say hi to Nick and and your mom. Your mom is on the front lines in all of this, isn't she? Yeah, she is. She's amazing. Wow. She's a nurse. And, and it, yeah. So massive shout time. out to Mama Smith, right? Yeah. Yeah. My gosh. Yeah. Well, please send her our gratitude from Barbados. (laughs) 
And honestly, Chloe, thank you. And I'm just very grateful. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. And I can't wait to continue to bring these wonderful stories to your life. Meet Me Downstairs will always be a platform that supports and honors moms in whatever shape or form that they are in. So we can't wait to just continue this wonderful, epic journey together. All the best. And we will chat with you on the next episode.